You're about to enjoy this replay of the Sons of UCF Live brought to you by Dariga, matching your company with the right talent. Today, I want to talk more about Dariga, a company that's revolutionizing the way businesses tackle one of their most critical challenges, finding the right talent. Dariga stands out for the groundbreaking approach to recruitment, which is really more like matchmaking. They also have deep-rooted ties to UCF. Ray Bazzi, their founder, is a UCF alum who actually started the company based on a class project during his MBA program. Also, their commitment to UCF runs deep. 95% of their employees are UCF graduates. Many companies turn to Dariga, and you should too. To find out more, go to nightrecruiting.com. That's night with a K to learn more about Dariga. Dariga, matching your company with the right talent. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trace Rocco, joined by Adam Eaton. Welcome in to the Sons of UCF Live, our weekly hour of usually therapy the last couple of weeks. But this is just celebration. We got a space game this week, Adam. We do. We're all decked out in our Citronade apparel here at Sons of UCF. The, the blue on the color board here. We are ready to go, Trace. And no better space game than after a win, which we badly, badly needed. We've been talking about it all week since the victory in Cincinnati. How do you feel? What was your verdict? Is this a big 12 win in your book? I know UCF Mike said, not in his book. I've got a kind of ish. What about you? Look, they have a Big 12 patch on their jersey. I'm going to count it as a Big 12 win. Ten years from now, we're not going to remember who we beat or how we beat them. We're going to just remember our first Big 12 win. So I'm going to say ten years from now, Adam would, would count this as a win. So today's Adam will count this as a win. And so it's a Big 12 win. We'll take it. I definitely want a, a traditional, you know, hateful eight win. And hopefully we get that this weekend. We should have had a, uh, you know that against Baylor, of course. But um, I'm going to count it as a win. A win's a win. They had a Big 12 logo on their chest. It counts just the same. What do you think about this UCF fan base that uh, goes from, I don't know, jumping off a bridge one week to they're going to storm the field after beating Oklahoma State? It does feel like a little bit of buzz in the air, wind in the sails, the victory over Cincinnati, 15th ranked in the college football playoff poll. Oklahoma State comes to town. You mentioned a legacy, a hateful eight opponent in Oklahoma State. It does feel like there is some buzz about this game, and 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 Vegas has been kind. Uh, the line's only been a couple of points, uh, and this with Ollie Gordon, uh, the nation's top running back for the Cowboys coming into town. What I think of it, Trace, is this is a fan base that is calloused from years of what ifs. Our guest tonight can talk a lot about 2015, although we won't ask him to. We've gone through this before. So it's it's a fan base that's been calloused over the time to just, just kind of roll to punches and stay positive. You feel some vibes. You know, we had a good win. Uh, and that's why we love all you crazy people out there, because it's doom and gloom the next week. And it's trying to figure out how not to break your leg on the uh, storming the field the week later. But that's just the callous nature of us, because we've been through so much. You've been around a long time. So that's the roller coaster of a UCF fan. That's why we love having you people around here. I like people talking about what it means to jump from the stands onto the field. I think it's longtime fan Carson Ingle who said it best. Just go to the tunnel. <laughs> Just storm through the fence. Oh, Take out the uh, two security guards that are going to, you know, the yellow-shirted people that are going to be there trying to hold them back. Why jump and risk injury? No, that's not how you do it, Trace. I mean, you've got to do it the right way. We need some hedges, though. I like it when people jump in and they get stuck in like the hedges at SEC stadiums. <laughs> we need the fence, and then we need some hedges, and then we need the field. So I think – Terry Mahadri, if you're listening, I don't know why you wouldn't be, by the way. Uh, hedges, that's that's the route to go now, hedges. 
Well, they don't have the hedges. They have these side video boards uh, that uh, we'll get a look at on Saturday during a game. But all of this is very premature, Adam. Uh, It's still 15th-ranked Oklahoma State, the nation's top running back. Uh, UCF has their work cut out for them. We've been well-documenting UCF's struggles against the run. Let's hear from head coach Gus Malzahn, a little preview from him on Oklahoma State. Offensively, um, you know, they have the, I guess, the most productive running back in the country uh, right now, just doing a super job. Their quarterback, he can really throw it. Um, They've been a a really, really good team as far as the penalties are concerned. They're a very disciplined team. They get turnovers, uh, block kicks. They're one of the best teams in the country. (laughs) There's quite a few things that they do well. Other than that, though, this is is easy. (laughs) Other than that. What what do you think the recipe is here for UCF? I mean, they gave up two 100-plus yard rushing games last week against Cincinnati. How did they hope to contain Ollie Gord? I mean, this is where you need a, a, a shootout. Uh, they won Bedlam last week over Oklahoma 30-27. You need 33-30, 43-40, that kind of game, it seems like. Well, yeah, that's that's the problem. I think, and we'll ask Nick in a second here, I think you have to ball control, right? You have to control the ball, eat the clock a little bit. Um, I don't think you're going to stop Ollie Gordon. I think we can all agree with that. He's going to get his yards. I think you have to take away the passing game. Don't, don't let him don't let him throw down field on and get some some of those bigger plays. And I think, honestly, you just mentioned special teams, or Gus did. I think we got to get a special teams jolt in this game. Either we need a we need a block kick. We need a, a you know a, a, a muff punt that we can recover. We need to take one back to the house. If we can control the clock, control the ground game, Ollie Gordon's going to probably run for 200-plus yards, but if he's only on the field two or three series, that's going to play in our favor. I think that's our that's our, our recipe. Now, are we going to be able to ball control, and can we resist the temptation to run three triple lateral option passes to the center? We'll find out, but I think that's the recipe to beat Oklahoma State. If you're drinking at home every time Adam says if, <laughs> take, take a shot because there, there were a lot of ifs. Let's bring in our first guest, talk a little football. A friend of the program, the return of Nick Patty, former UCF quarterback. Nick, hello. What's up, fellas? It's good to be back. It's been a minute. Nick, how's the family? How are things with you? Everything's good. Growing, growing like a weed, the family, and everybody's good. Enjoying the season as much as possible. Well, that is my first question. How enjoyable has this season been nights at four and five get that first big 12 win at Cincinnati not living up to many fans expectations what about yours yeah I think it's it's kind of like yeah it's been a little bit of a bittersweet year for me I feel like because it's there's a lot of buzz a lot of excitement uh yeah you guys were sort of talking about how to you know kind of I don't know there's been a lot of talk of how to stay up throughout the season when you get to this but it's it, it's a lot of fun right week after week you have good opponents coming in you got a legacy big 12 opponent coming in this week so for that standpoint it's been exciting and it's kind of stayed uh it, it stayed up week to week uh as opposed to years in the past and, and no disrespect to our old old conferences but yeah, you, know, you lose a couple games you're out of it and it's like you know there's not a lot of buzz still going but here we are having the season we are and oklahoma state's coming in and you got People talking about rushing the field, right? So if, if anything, it's creating a little bit of a buzz that week after week, we have some good opponents coming in, playing at home. We're going to some cool stadiums and, and uh, you know, and competing. I think people are, are you know, you're, you overlook that we are competing in a lot of these games. And uh, it was to be expected, I think, a little bit, but still disappointing. 
courtesy of uh, Eric Lopez, my partner on Around the Kingdom, writing for the Black and Gold Banneret, he has uh, detailed the best running backs that have come to play uh, at UCF. Do you know which opponent has rushed for the most yards against UCF? Or yardage or game? Uh, any of those things. I'll give you any of those. I do not like this year. Today. Total, forever. forever. Since that uh, mud pond at St. Leo in 1979. Man, wow, this is know. this is unprecedented. Sorry, Nick. Trace never stumps our guests with a trivia question off the top. Yeah, this is I'm channeling on UCF money. One of my few visits in high school to UCF was a, a monsoon game against Marshall, I think it was. And it was like an absolute downpour. I can't believe we even stayed till halftime. It was raining that bad. And uh, I, that that might be it because I don't think they threw the ball one time in that game. But uh, I don't know. Other than that, you got me stumped, man. 1986, Nick. Akron's Mike Clark in the history books against UCF. 255 yards. That is the setup for Ollie Gordon on Saturday. <laughs> Over, under. 255 yards against what is it the 127th ranked rush defense in the country in your UCF Knights. I say over unfortunately. Oh, it's been, uh, record will be set <laughs> says Nick Batty. <laughs> it's been it's been bad but I think it's been bad on multiple levels but I mean you guys alluded to it I think it's it's yeah we're we're sort of uh living up to the trend of bad big 12 defenses and kind of, you know, show up with offense and, and you got to kind of score your way and shoot your way out of these games. Uh, I, I think that, you know, there, there's, there's building to be done with us, uh, especially up front on the second level. Uh, our run fits have been questionable and, and just kind of, you know, I think it's, it's a multitude of things, but uh, I don't know that I don't know there's any expectation of what we can do to shut him down. He's a great runner. They've got a really good front. Uh, they've got a really good scheme. So, so there's no hope, Nick. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying maybe look <laughs> well, other show's places. over, folks. There's no hope at 10 other places for, uh, for where we can where we can make up for the production that I just think is inevitable. You know, leading Russia in the country, right? So get a look elsewhere. All right, Nick, who right. threw the third ever? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> you obviously, you are uh, somebody who watches quarterbacks. You saw John Rice Plumley play a lot last year. We heard a lot about this offseason, his development with Coach Hinshaw. Have you seen a difference in JRP from last year to this year? And if so, how? Yeah, I think um, I think I have. I mean, you know, spar sparingly a little bit of kind of coming off the injury and getting comfortable. It's, it's, it's a little bit, I think, throwing him off of his game but in a good way at times, I think, in in um, in his response to it, right? I think it slowed him down a little bit. I think it's made him rely on the structure of the offense and, and what Hinshaw is trying to do and push the ball down the field and a, a little bit of a um, – it's made him play within the system a little bit more, which I think is a positive. We talked about that in years past, him trying to do a little bit too much, right? So take away his athleticism a little bit where he's still been able to create a, a, a great deal – but he has had to work within the confines of what the offense has given him. Um, you know, I think the run game has helped his development a, a great deal where he doesn't feel like he's got to do it all by himself with his legs. Um, yeah, I would have loved to have seen him play without a gap, without getting hurt and kind of dialing it back a little bit, whether that's because he's got a bad wheel or, or 
you know, what, what, whatever it is, whether maybe they're calling plays a little differently because of, uh, to protect him a little, but, uh, definitely seen his progression where he's been a little bit more settled, a little bit more comfortable, uh, as much as he can be at least. Uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. There was a, a post game interview with, uh, Darren Hinshaw where he talked about JRP and, a, uh, a couple, uh, in the, I think it was West Virginia game. Um, and there was a couple turnovers that were maybe unforced because he was waiting a little bit too long which we haven't seen him do in, you know, last year, we kind of saw him try to create a little bit too much and then make a mistake. So I think that's where you see maybe the injury causes a little bit of that, or he's, there's some progression that maybe he's worked a little bit too much into working within the offense. So long-winded answer is uh, definitely a change, uh, good, bad, who knows? I think the injury plays into it, but uh, definitely some progression there. Well, staying on the offense, obviously a lot was made about Gus Malzahn giving up play calling and you know giving up play calling. And Darren Hinshaw is now here installing an offense. How have you seen this UCF offense be different from last year? Can you notice different wrinkles? I know we heard all offseason about we're going to take shots on the field. We're going to play more vertical. Have you seen that? Have you seen kind of a change in the offense based on what you can what you can see um, you know from the TV copy? Yeah, I think yes to no. Um, I mean, certainly with the the how we've been successful with the run game. I don't think much has changed as far as what they're going to try to establish or who they want to be. I think there, there's, there's definitely been more of a downfield passing attack. How they're doing that is creative where I think they're uh, where they found a rub with their uh, uh, happy medium with Hinshaw and, and Gus is how they're using their spacing. So maybe, and I, I definitely think they're taking more shots, which I have liked. Um, they're taking more shots. They're doing more two man routes with, you know, using their athletes to where they're kind of man beaters and things of that nature. But um, I think they're using their spacing a little bit more like how Heupel's offense operates, where they're kind of spacing out the numbers. They're doing plus splits, things of that nature. They're trying to create uh, matchup, you know, mismatches, uh, which I think has served us a little bit. And so I think that's where uh, Hinshaw's wrinkles have kind of worked itself into. I, I don't know that this is exactly how he would call it if, if he had complete fair reign, but I, I do think there's been a pretty healthy, happy medium where obviously the run game's been Gus's bread and butter and it's been serving us, right? I mean, I think we're, I think we're two in the conference in total offense. And a lot of that probably has to do with rushing, you know, our rushing production and, and things of that, that nature. But uh yeah, I mean, if that if that answers your question, I definitely think that they have found a good marriage, but that they're still working through it. That's for sure. All right, question time again, Nick. Over under three hour game. I mentioned that because not only Ollie Gordon, but R.J. Harvey of UCF, eight hundred seventy six yards. He's closing in on a thousand game, a thousand yard season with three games on the schedule. Both these teams are going to run the ball, right? So they're going to be chewing up the clock. Yeah, I I I sure hope. It is because I think that's our best advantage. Um, if we can, I don't, I hate to say slow it down because I hate to kind of change the framework of, of any offense given, given it a uh, given week, but time of possession turnover margin is what wins us this ball game. You guys alluded to it, maybe creating something in special teams. We need something, a turnover for points, uh, muff punt, something along that nature, but along that goes with time of possession. So if they want to run the ball, they want to run the clock, that's great. But we have to sustain drives. We cannot have three and outs if we're going to win this ball game because we've shown we have three and outs. Then they try to push, they create turnovers, and, and we just don't have a chance if we can do that right now. 
because we, you know, we haven't been good enough on defense and, and we, you know, haven't, we, we can score with people, but if we're just not going to show up on defense, then, then, then that's, that's going to be our, our woe. So I think time of possession is our key. So I, I sure hope it's an over. I, I hope we can run it and sustain drives. No one wants a four and five season and five straight losses and uh, the first Big 12 win coming in the sixth game. But you earlier said that UCF has been competitive uh, in what you've seen of them. Is there something to hold on to there for fans uh, who, who want, you know, perfection all the time, that 2017 all over again, uh, preseason talk, they're going to be in the Big 12 championship game. They have been competitive. Is that enough to, to satisfy fans uh, for the rest of the season? I hope so. Um you know, you think about what a what a year like this and growth and competitive, quote unquote, can do. And you think about like 2016 and what that sprung board into being. Right. And and how bad we were in 15. I might be confused in the years, but go from one. It, it was bad in 15. But you go from winning no games to however many we were bowl eligible. And then you springboard into that, right? And so, and you could see that year in some of those growths. And we had we had the talent, and we were moving in the right direction. And I think today's college football fan in general, I I, I can't stand them all because they're all spoiled, myself included. And you just want to win every game. And you know, so but I think you you hope that there's a little glimpse there of where we're going. And and I kind of hope going into the year, people kind of expected it because. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're going into a different league here and it's going to take us a little time. We're seeing the same thing in basketball right now, a little bit where it's just going to take a little bit of time for us to man up, for us to league up a, a, a bit. Right. And so definitely a glimmer of hope. And I don't mean that just from an X's and O's. I mean that from a, a Joe's perspective, it, it will, you know, we'll, we'll get there. And, it, you know, I'm not thinking a couple of plays go differently and our season looks different and we're in the hunt. But there's been glimpses that that we belong, you know, and, and I know that's hard to say, and maybe some people disagree, but uh, that's where I stand on it. Well, Nick, you talk about glimpses. Obviously, that that Baylor game was just soul crushing. Um, do you think there's any anything to the carryover of that game and sort of what that did to the team, sort of carrying over for a few weeks and finally winning at Cincinnati gets that monkey off their back? And do you think it's possible that essentially kind of multiplies out throughout the season after losing a tough game like Baylor? No doubt, no doubt. And I think back to that game, if that goes differently, how, how we may get some momentum, right? And going into a game, I'm not, you know, we're not the big bad wolf yet, but but there is that moxie there, you know, that, that it all plays a role in, in a team's confidence going in, giving up, I think it was the biggest comeback in college football for, I, there was some record there that I heard that was uh, pretty impressive. Trace can maybe work that question in. To the, to the next year. <laughs> I'm going to hit our basketball <laughs> guest for that. Man, heads up. Right, right. That's the biggest but, but there's no doubt about it that I think if that goes a little bit different way, that, uh, you know, maybe something unfolds a little bit differently, right? So that, that can unravel the moxie of a team. That can unravel the confidence. That can, you know, create a little bit of separation, which – that's been one thing I've been confident in, in seeing and, and again on TV and whatever, but you can tell when there's separation, when there's division. And, and I, I feel as if they've stuck together. I feel as if there's some cohesion, at least on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, yeah, it's disappointing that that happened because I, I do think it would be a, a different tale this year if that went, went differently. Well, the big question Trace and I were talking about, do you consider the Cincinnati game a big 12 win for UCF? Man, it's so frustrating that that came because you 
we're just waiting on it, right? We had it. We had it in the bag. You know, I I I, I hate to take that away from them because they earned it and then they were good and 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 they played well. They earned it. And you know, Cincinnati's been no slouch either, right? They they earned their road to the Big Twelve just like we did. I, I kind of look at it as if if Cincinnati were to have beat us, would we have wanted them to consider us their first Big Twelve win? And I sure would, right? So I'll take it. You guys know me. I'm I'm a I'm I'm positive. I'm an optimist type <laughs> of kid, right? So I, I would have loved her to come for Baylor, or West Virginia. I, I I sure will consider this week our first Big Twelve win if we do end up upsetting Oklahoma State. But uh, yeah, good to get off the monkey's back and 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 a little bit of a rivalry game. I think that is brewed with Cincinnati over the last couple of years, so that's nice too. But uh, yeah, it's a little unorthodox. All right, my final hard-hitting question: Oklahoma State at home at Texas Tech, Houston in the finale. The Knights are four and five. Do they become bowl eligible, Nick? Man, at the end of the after the game, I that, that first thing I pull up the rest of the schedule. And I'm just like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have a good feeling about this week. There's something about it. I got it. There's just a good, there's a juju around it. Space game, whole deal. <laughs> I, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say it's a rewind of 2016 year where we're getting bowl eligible and we're springboarding into the next. And, and that's what we're doing here this year. But I'm going to say yes. So next year, undefeated. <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that uh, you were able to carve out some time uh, and spend it with us. Uh, good talking with you again. Absolutely, fellas. Thanks for having me back. Good to see you guys. All right. Thanks, Nick. All right. Positive. He was positive there, and he worked the word moxie in, and you can't beat the word moxie during a, a show like the Sons of UCF. Yeah, look, I, I always love Nick's perspective, right? Because he is an optimist. He wants to see things, you know, optimistically. And, you know, look, the things he says, uh, says about JRP and the offense, right, gives you hope um, that that maybe there is something at some point. We haven't seen the best version of this offense yet. And maybe Saturday is the perfect time to unleash that, right? I think we'd all love that to happen. So let's cross our fingers, man. Well, of course, Oklahoma State's coming off the Bedlam win over Oklahoma. They are still in the thick of this Big 12 race. Let's go around the Big 12 with Jeff Allen. Texas and Oklahoma State sit in the top two spots in the conference standings, with both sporting a 5-1 record. The 7th-ranked Longhorns look to stay in the driver's seat as they tackle Texas Tech in primetime Saturday night at 7.30 on ABC. Meanwhile, as you know, the 15th-ranked Cowboys are in the bounce house for a Saturday 3.30 kick against the Knights on ESPN. More on that in just a bit. Five teams now sit at 4-2 and two as 16th-ranked Kansas hosts Texas Tech at 12 noon on FS1. Two other 4-2 squads face off as 17th-ranked Oklahoma tries to break their two-game losing streak against visiting West Virginia, 7 o'clock on Fox. 25th-ranked Kansas State welcomes Baylor. That's Saturday at 3.30 on ESPN+. The last of the 4-2 teams, Iowa State travels to BYU for a Saturday night encounter at 10.15 on ESPN. The lone game that does not affect the conference race has Cincinnati at Houston, Saturday night at 7 on FS1. Back to the Cowboys' night's clash with the nation's leading rusher, Ollie Gordon II, facing off against a porous UCF run defense. I see this game like others, where the Knights go back and forth for a while, but ultimately see Oklahoma State pull away for a 17-point win. With your Big 12 Minutes, I'm Jeff Allen. Jeff, not as optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> not as optimistic as Nick. It's Jeff Allen. That sounded about right. 
Yeah, didn't he? I like when Nick Nick is the optimist, right? He said, uh, you know, it's going to take a while for basketball to build as well. And I thought, what is his definition of a while? Uh, but the men's basketball team, women as well, they got a big win uh, on Monday in their opener over Bethune-Cookman, but the men beating FIU 85-62. Uh, you were kind of watching the game and recording with uh, UCF Mike. Uh, what were some of your takeaways? Jalen Sellers, 23 points to lead the Knights. He had a good night. Yeah, I mean, I liked the overall energy of this team. I think in previous years, we were a little stuck on offense, a lot of, you know, kind of passing the ball around the perimeter, trying to find a shot. I liked the energy, a lot of fast break. Some of that was FIU maybe not being, you know, the best opponent out there for us. But I liked the energy, I liked the fast break, active on defense. I mean, you had a bunch of guys who could switch and guard. I like that you got to see a lot of players get on the court. You got to see some really good performances. Uh, I, I feel like we got some some. I don't want to say it. I think we get some height. I think we had some big men down there with uh, with Ibrahima. Um, I mean, he, I know he had I learned afterwards. He'd only practiced for a week. He seemed like he was pretty stout in the middle there. So I, I like the energy. I like the vibes. It's only one game. But we've seen this before where UCF Knights basketball team comes out on the opening night and they play really well, except for last year, by the way, which Mike will never live down because never let Asheville. them forget it. And it IT run for this team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was I was encouraged. I was encouraged by what I saw. And, and again, I think the season's going to be about just rooting these guys on and having some fun. I think when you go into a game, I don't mean this to, the bad way. When you go into the game with low expectations, like you can obviously be surprised. I think I think we'll have some surprises this year with UCF basketball. I really do. Well, a surprise that was not a positive one is uh, just before tip off, formally coming out in his own voice, recording a video, CJ Walker. I'm talking about being injured again, Coach Malzahn, um, Coach Malzahn, Coach Dawkins. Malzahn was upset uh, too. Malzahn, Malzahn was upset too. Uh, <laughs> Coach Dawkins saying it uh, occurred in a, a recent scrimmage, uh, has had surgery. He was in street clothes, walking with a cane, an undetermined amount of time out. So uh, uh, that's definitely not what you want. Plus some eligibility issues. Antoine Jones not going to be uh, able to play until after the first semester ends. Uh, so December timeframe for him and Marcellus Avery is caught up in all sorts yeah. of things uh, regarding his former school. Uh, and uh, uh, they're put in an appeal on his waiver. So, I mean, you, you were questioning depth and, and quality of roster and to be down three guys uh, for at least the non-conference portion of the schedule, perhaps some guys longer than that, that is tough. Yeah, CJ is really tough because obviously we know what he's been through injury-wise. Uh, all preseason, I loved his interviews. Uh, you know, kid's got an infectious smile. He was excited. You know, we posted that clip that Andrew Cherico got for us when he asked CJ if he's going to have more bounce this year. And CJ's face lit up and said, I'm going to have more bounce than ever. And so you feel for a kid who you know been working hard and he really could help this team out. Uh, I, I feel like we understood the Antoine Jones stuff. I, you know, I think we knew that. The Marcellus Avery scenario is really crazy. For those who don't know it, I would, I would search it up. Uh, it's a really interesting story about his change, his transfer uh, from New Mexico State. What happened there? Uh, and so that, that's that's a tough one. You hope that one can get worked out, Trace. But you got to feel for CJ Walker. He also got a haircut. I don't think anyone's talking about that. He got a haircut too. I, I almost didn't recognize him on the bench there. So hopefully he can come back and and, and contribute. Um, I think he'll be a big piece of this team, and maybe that'll be a late season spark, right? Maybe we'll we'll be hanging around just enough, and CJ can come in and spark this team. That'll be my Nick Patty optimistic outlook for uh, UCF basketball. You know, he could have been a difference maker in several games last season in what was an NIT run for the uh, the Knights. So you imagine he was worth a couple more wins. So let's talk about the impact of not having him with Ben Hazel, a return guest on Sons of UCF Live, former UCF development coach. Ben, welcome in. Thanks for having me, fellas. What's up? 
How you guys Good feeling? to talk with you. By the way, Adam, I finally got to meet Ben. Uh, we found a way to miss each other in shows, and uh, we caught up uh, at the arena. Ben, what are your overall thoughts of what you saw from the Knights on Monday? I thought it was a solid performance. I mean, a, a great start to the season. I mean, as you would expect, got a lot of transfers. So, you know, had a few moments, especially shooting the ball, where I didn't feel like guys felt like they were at home. But, you know, they settled in, um, really started to fill their role and, and came out with a W, so you can't be upset with that. As you hopped on with us, you heard us talking about uh, C.J. Walker not being a part of things on Monday and for an indefinite period of time. That's quite a loss for the Knights. Yes, it is. I mean, you saw the athleticism um, that he brings is always something that will really help the team. Um, it wasn't something that really showed up, you know, in that first game. But I think our, our test on Monday will um, be able to see kind of how we can overcome that. But also we'll see the void that, you know, that he has and, and see who's going to step up to fill it. Ben, obviously the name on a lot of UCF fans' tongues was Jalen Sellers. He had a really good game against FIU. What did you like about what you saw out of Jalen Sellers? His aggression. I mean, dude came out the jump like, I'm ready to make plays, and that's what I'm here for. So just that he came out aggressive um, at the beginning, you know, had a little rocky start, seemed like he was trying to feel like where he was going to, you know, make his imprint. Um, but then you saw he just kind of put his head down, and, and like I said kind of earlier uh, or on the previous show that, you know, I think the fans will really like this kid. He's aggressive. Um, he plays hard on both ends. Uh, brings a lot of energy and intensity, which is something that we're really going to need, I mean, with what we have coming up. But it was hard to tell because FIU wasn't the biggest team, but I felt like our inside presence with Ibrahima, with Omar Payne, the Sila, I, I thought we had a, a more of an inside presence than I feel like we've had in a while. Did you feel the same way, or what do you like about sort of that, that inside rotation at the center position? I really liked it in the fact that they were really, you know, going after shots, uh, that they were able to change a lot of shots, that their presence was felt on the glass. Um, that their presence was felt overall in the paint on both ends. Um, I think Coach Dawkins was still trying to figure out kind of how he wants to rotate those guys. Um, but you could see that they really bring two different paces, two different options, um, and they're really solid. They're, you know, the years of experience that they have coming into this, even though they're new to us, uh, I think really showed up in that first game. Um, and they played solid. So, you know, a lot to look out for, a lot to be excited about, um, you know, really – relatively untested to a certain degree but you know what we got friday can't wait i got my track suit on because i'm ready to go <laughs> i got my travel suit like i'm still on the team because I, I i am uh, i'm excited about this one um cj walker the other name returning that fans were looking to is darius johnson how would you evaluate what you saw from him he's going to be key in this non-conference portion of the schedule and as long as uh, cj is not out on the court I mean, my personal relationship with him makes it so I watch him probably more than others at times. Um, so my overall kind of grade of him was that I saw a lot of improvement um, that we've been, you know, as a staff, I had been begging for from him. So that was really great to see. Uh, defensively, he was really solid. Um, I thought he, you know, had some moments where he settled in and started to take command. I mean, I was really happy to see him make a shot. That was uh one thing that I talked a lot of trash to him about was like, hey, man, you know, you work out all the time. You know, it should show up like you should make a shot now. So this year he looked a lot more under control and ready to play um, from the beginning. So the one area that I think he really needs to improve on is just uh, the turnovers, uh, which I thought was just something that was a result of a lot of new guys being out there. Um, but I think he was making strides or showed that he's making strides in the right spaces, which is mainly between the ears for him. 
Um, and I thought he did just that, at least in the first game. So we'll, I thought it was a good step in the right direction. Adam, do you think you could have Ben drop in on the podcast when you're recording and just kind of get in UCF Mike's grill a little bit about, you know, his performance uh, on the show? Because I think Ben could uh, razz him a bit. I'm, I'm in for that. Ben, I'm curious. We're, obviously, we're playing Miami on Friday. Um, early in the season, you, you don't really have a chance to scout these teams, right? Because especially Miami, it's a new team. As a coaching staff, what do you do going into this game? That You have one game of footage. Miami played NJIT, whatever that's worth to you. As a coaching staff, how do you prepare for a team that you don't really know or haven't really seen yet? For, for coaches, these out-of-conference games are really about yourself. And Coach Dawkins says that time and time again. Um, so with not being able to see them, I mean, you really just stay true to your principles is the main thing. But with those guys, we play them every year. So, you know, we're not unfamiliar with Coach Larinaga and what he's trying to do. Um, they have a decent amount of returners when you talk about Nigel Pack in their center or Norchad. Um, so, you know, we, we have some pieces that, you know, we're relatively familiar with. So I think it'll be something that, you know, guys will relatively come with a clean slate, but, you know, like it'll be relatively comfortable. It'll be pretty intense. Everybody knows it's a pretty big test early in the season. Um, you got guys with, you know, greater aspirations, and this will be the uh, first test of, of who's going to, who's more on the right track than the other. That's, that's pretty much it. Can I get your assessment on the new um, the new court for UCF? The new key specifically with the the palm fronds on the on the ground there. Can I get your as your as a home makeover addition? Did you like what's going on with the new court? Oh yeah, I really liked it. I loved it, and and it really highlighted you know what we talked about before. They got to rely on the defensive end. We're gonna have to be a scrappy team this year, and the energy they brought I think showed that they know that too. So. Uh, you know, you got Damari, who's a really good defender. You got Omar, who's a really good defender. You got Darius, who really can be a really good defender and is a really good defender, Jalen. So, you know, I like the pieces. I like the pieces. Where they're going to figure it out is going to be on the offensive end. Um, but I like their attitude towards the game and kind of how they're approaching it from the beginning. All right, odds makers have Miami eight and a half point favorite in this one. You talked about needing to play good defense. What would you, you want the victory, of course, but what are you looking for here as a sign that the Knights are making progress from game one to game two? Uh, the two things would be turnovers. I mean, we had a lot of turnovers against light pressure, which will be really ratcheted up as you play better, play better teams. Um, and then just our ability to get good shots. I think those are two things. If we could do those two things, we could be happy as fans. And, uh, of course, Coach Dawkins, he doesn't play games unless he's trying to win. So, you know, that's always a factor. But, you know, coaches are still figuring out their rotations. You want to see guys play hard. You want to see guys really start to lock things in defensively and hopefully see some progress on the offensive end. Uh, peel back the curtain a little bit. Uh, following a game on Monday, what would it be like? What, what's the team do the next day? And how do they, they look at film and they start to work on things that they, uh, they need to correct? Basically, next day you watch film of the game before, prior to practice, uh, get a layout of the things that you did well, the things that you really need to work on, and then you go through the scout for the team that you're about to play with this short turnaround. Um, they will have done it that day, uh, right after, have practice, uh, then probably might have a film session that night, wake up, do the same thing again, hop on the bus, go to Miami, have a shoot around in Miami, then play the game, or go to sleep, then wake up, have a shoot around in the morning, and then play the game. <laughs> All right. That is a busy week for those uh, student athletes. Ben, uh, it was great meeting you at the game on Monday. Look forward to having you back all season long on Suns Live. Looking forward to it. Thanks, fellas.
Thanks, All man. right, thank you. All right, Adam, are you encouraged by what you saw? You, a little scouting uh, there and a recap by Ben. You feel good? Yeah, I feel good. I mean, look, I had fun watching that game. It, it's been a while since we've had like a fun team that you you can kind of root for. And, you know, uh, I like seeing the new guys and kind of seeing what their, you know, what their game looks like. And again, I know FIU isn't exactly going to be a world beater, but I, I had fun. And that's kind of what I'm looking forward to this season is having fun, you know, watching the guys play. You know, maybe we get lucky here and there and we, we sneak one out or we get a, a tip ball or whatnot. But I had fun watching the team. If, if they're competitive, and it's going to be a fun team to watch. It'll be a good season. Do I want to win? Sure. But again, my expectations are pretty low on basketball. So let's have some fun and be competitive. I think you're right. I think fans might enjoy this season with no, no expectations or low expectations. Knights projected 14th in the Big 12 some weeks before we get to that slate. UCF at Miami Friday night at 7. Maybe they can spring the upset. Expectations much higher for football as we talked off the top of the show. Fans talking about how they're going to jump from the stands and storm the field. Of course, all of that requires a win over Oklahoma State. Let's get to know more about the Cowboys, a return guest on Suns Live in a different capacity, talking about Oklahoma State because he's an alum, Philip Slavin, with the 1012 Network. Philip, welcome back in. How's it going, everybody? Doing well, doing well. By the way, congratulations. I think you posted that uh, 1012 Network, all the, the family of shows, uh, biggest month ever uh, of listenership. Uh, 1012 Podcast, yes, and 1012 Network as well. Um, every show has been doing very well. Uh, we had a really, we've, we've had a great football season, period. Now, part of that is you add four new uh, schools, you get, we get a, more podcasts for different teams, and so the number is going to go up. But I mean, this has been our best fall. Fall's always the peak. It's been fantastic. It's been great. And I'm sure you're enjoying watching Ollie Gordon run. Now, help us here. We've been talking about him throughout the show. How do you stop him? What can you tell us? <laughs> Who is, who's done a good job stopping him this season? So, so far, the only person who's done a good job of stopping Ollie Gordon is Mike Gundy by not giving him the ball. <laughs> um, look, I... I don't want to come in here and be like arrogant or anything like that or, or overly OSU home. Oh, there's room um, for that on this show. I know. I know. It's fun. Uh, no, uh, no, Matt Dillon, I'm not going to slam dunk the ball again. The basketball goal is now outside. <laughs> it no longer lives in the, in the house. Um, it's my, it's my surface camera. Y'all like, just, okay. Playroom. Got to do what we got to do. <laughs> Criticism. And over here. Welcome. Oh. Welcome. All right. Forget it. The gloves are off. The orange glasses are on. Let's go. Uh, look, I, it's it's a combination of things. It's the offense actually being efficient. Um, when you started with your non-conference, literally gave, uh, what was it? I think Ollie had 109 yards on like 19 carries. He didn't get the ball. You rotated through your three quarterbacks. The offense was like stunted is a generous term for, for what it was through the non-conference. And at this point, it's unfair to even call it non-conference. It was preseason because they treated it like NFL preseason. It was, it was awful. It was atrocious. It's why you lose 33 to seven to South Alabama, which should never happen in mm. that way. Then you come out against Iowa State and you can tell it takes them a while still, but you could tell a difference just in that game from the beginning of the game to the end that they started to figure some things out because the offense had one starting quarterback and they gave the ball to Ollie Gordon and there was some continuity on the offensive line. And so you started to see the offense kind of figure things out. Well, you know, like you'd like to see in the first game of a season and not what they did with the non-conference three games. So as the season has progressed, Alan Bowman has been solid. Is he the best quarterback in the big 12? No, no. If you want to argue he's not top half, that's fine. Um, he's not going to wow you. 
he brings a level of maturity that is very obvious. He doesn't turn the ball over. He will throw the ball away. Does he like to get out of the pocket a little bit too soon sometimes? Yes. Uh, but he's been efficient. Uh, he's been solid. Ollie has been incredible. And an offensive line, and this is the big key, and Ollie Gordon has praised his offensive line for the last few weeks. Every time someone interviews Ollie, he's talking about his offensive line. He's talking about the guys up front blocking for him. And for good reason. This is an offensive line room that has been mediocre to bad the last few years. Um, they have a wave of injuries every year. The depth's just not there. And so it's, it's, and usually by this point in the season, it's not, it's not particularly good. And this year, knock on wood, they have actually gotten better and better and better as the season has gone. They figured out who the, the right guys are. They've lost Jason Brooks probably for the season from what we've heard. Uh, he got knocked out against Oklahoma. He probably shouldn't have actually been in that game. Uh, but he played a little bit. He left. He sounds like he's done for the year. But you're okay with the depth. And it's less like we're playing guys all over the place because – we can't figure out or we nothing's working and more like they're just, they have enough flexibility. Um, and so you're seeing an offense that is running correctly and giving Ollie the opportunity to be the star that Oklahoma state fans have been thinking he could be for the last two years. So like all the credit in the world to Ollie for playing as well as he is, and he's playing very, very well the offense is doing him all the favors that it can to make sure that he is able to utilize his talent as best as he can on the field on Saturdays. Phil, talk about this defense. Obviously, UCF is the fourth-ranked rushing team in the nation. Uh, talk about the Oklahoma State defense. Will we? Do you think UCF will be able to get some yards on the ground on Saturday? Yeah, it's not a great defense. Um, it's going to give up yards. Uh, um I think I've got to, I'm going to pull up Parker's stuff. Um, EPA per, per rush is 28th. Oklahoma State on defense, it's, it's 66th uh, against the pass. It is a defense that has made adjustments. When you're talking about a first year defensive coordinator in Brian Nardo, who came up from Division II, not just like not, not G5, not FCS, D2, and is up here as a defensive coordinator in his first year. You've got a lot of new faces on the defense. And so it, the thing for them has been, are they going to have hiccups? Yes. Do they give up big plays, especially in the first half? They'll give up a big play. If, if you told me UCF had two touchdowns of 50 yards or more in the first half of this game, it would not surprise me at all. Like they are susceptible to that, especially in the first half of games. But I have to give Brian Nardo credit because he has done a really good job in every game this season since the offense has not been putting them in terrible spots all game non-conference of making second half adjustments and the defense playing significantly better. Like they, it, it is a defense that is not perfect. It is not 2021 Oklahoma state defense, but it's playing well. They're forcing turnovers, which has been a big part of it. They're going to give up yards, but they don't always give up as many points. They've done a decent job in the red zone as well. So like UCF's going to have opportunities to score points. UCF's probably going to have a couple of, uh, up close one item on the shelf behind him okay hold on um uh, that we'll talk about that shelf those are all lego sets i'll get you one down in a second um they it's a defense that does a good enough job and look you look at at, at bedlam like how many fourth downs did, did oklahoma have we can talk about oklahoma's play calling all day like they're getting stops they limited Kansas in the second half of that game. They limited Oklahoma in the second half of that game. They did enough against Kansas State. Like the defense has done enough to help Oklahoma State 
win close games. And it has fallen on the defense in a few games, even during this win streak, to have to get the stops to get the win. And they have stood up and, and taken that challenge on and done a good job with it. We heard Mike Gundy talk about UCF and he had a lot of praise in the press conference for what UCF does. How is UCF perceived by Oklahoma State? Is this a game where you look at UCF one and five in conference and you think Oklahoma State overlooks UCF or do you think this is a serious test in that and they're taking coming to Orlando seriously? Uh, well, if you want to talk about the fan base, I'm not sure I've seen a ton of OSU fans talking about UCF because I don't think the fans have, have moved off of winning Bedlam on Saturday. So like most of the fan base are like, oh, did we find another Bedlam video? We find another Bedlam recap video. Do you find another? What's the like the coach in thirties out? And the, the program sweeting stuff out? And so and so's over here talking about things. And what, look, is there another national podcast that comes out on Thursday that's still talking about? It? So like fans are still all about Bedlam and that win. Um, the question is going to be the players, and I, and and it, it's been said. I was listening to the Feels Like Forty Five podcast. That's our Oklahoma State podcast, the network, and Caden doesn't do a great job, but like they said, like look. Gundy told the coaches, like, enjoy Saturday night, enjoy the win, have fun with it. He had them back for uh, going over prep, like, early, early, early Sunday morning, like, before the sun was up Sunday morning, getting ready for this game. So the coaching staff has said, we're going to take the right mindset. The Bedlam win was awesome. We still have three more games to win if we want to get to Arlington, which is an opportunity in front of us. And so the coaching staff has been preparing for this game since early Sunday morning. I think he actually got them in there prepping earlier than they usually do because again, you got to get the you got to shake the bedlam win off because it's such a it's such a big win. It's such a kind of thing that like again, like the fans are still so hung up on it. So the question becomes, have the players moved off of it? Have the coaches done the job necessary to get the players' mindset? off of the Bedlam win and onto this game uh, on Saturday at, in Orlando. Vegas is skeptical though, aren't they? Just a two and a half point line for Oklahoma State. Yeah. And you know, before the game, uh, was it Bud Elliott actually predicted the game that Vegas would open with UCF as a one point favorite in this game. And it opened with OSU as a one point favorite. And it's come up to two and a half. Um, like here's the thing I, I, I struggle with. Is a combination of things. And it'll just UCF is better than their record. Like UCF should not have the record that they have. They should be five and four instead of four four and five. The the Baylor loss, like what was that? And the the OU game with the terrible fourth down call. Like I don't know if that they UCF would have won that game, but it shouldn't have ended that way. Like, wait, wait. Other fan bases think that that was terrible the way it ended. It's <laughs> not just this fan base. I don't know. I have to cover the conference as a whole, so I have to watch a lot of Big Twelve games. So I'm happy to pay attention to big plays and go like that's terrible. Um, no, leave my camera alone. Okay, it is it is a, a MacBook. It's just a, it's a not saying that it's a tablet. Okay. It's just whatever's built in. I don't have a cool lighting set up. My, my office, look, we had a third kid. I lost my office to the third child to have a new nursery so my kids could have a playroom. So I played good dad, lost the office. All y'all criticism. Y'all, y'all don't like my camera that much? Y'all can mail me one, okay? You just DM tons of UCF. They'll tell you how to get it to me. See if you complain about my camera. This is why I don't do anything on YouTube except audio graphics, okay? Well, let's end on this. At UCF, at Houston, home to BYU, certainly favorable down the stretch for Oklahoma State as it tries to get into that Big 12 championship game. Yeah, I mean, you when we came into the season, and shout out to Ari Temkin, who's on Big 12 Radio and SiriusXM. We're going to probably try and have him on the show again uh, before the season's up. Like he, he is the one guy, if you go back and look at the preseason poll, the media poll, one person gave Oklahoma State a first-place vote. It was Ari. 
had him on the show. We talked about it. And his argument was Oklahoma State's schedule sets them up to potentially have a season where they get to Arlington and then it's a toss-up, right? I love all y'all too. Y'all are great. I love coming on the show. Uh, I love UCF fans. Y'all are insane. It's fun. Um, you look at the schedule now. Obviously, you know, sitting here at the end of September, the very idea that Oklahoma State would have an opportunity to be in Arlington is would just – I'd have laughed. It just slapped you and walked away. Um, but UCF, I think I, – and this is my thing. And this is – if Houston fans and BYU fans who are not listening want to take this as a shot, like I think if OSU gets past UCF, they're not losing again until they get to Arlington. I got – it's down the road at Houston. Cool, great. Dana's going to Dana, whatever. Uh, BYU at home, <laughs> like BYU's BYU – vampires in Provo uh, vampires in the daylight as well. Like they turn to dust. So like in Stillwater, great. If Oklahoma state can get past this game, I don't think they lose again in the regular season, which 10 and two is insane. I do think this is a tricky game. UCS better than their record. Oklahoma state during this five game road, stre- uh, road winning streak, five game winning streak, sorry, has played one road game at West Virginia. The other four games have been at home. Um, you've had a bunch of injuries to your wide receivers. Guys are guys step up. We all know this. Basketball, football, whatever the sport. Role players have to step up. Every role players are kings at home and princes and jesters on the road. So we're gonna see for Oklahoma State. Do the role players at wide receiver step up on the road? And then the line is the line. Like I'm torn with OSU because when you look at a lot of projections and things, data has to include the whole season, right? You have to throw out the non-conference to talk about Oklahoma State. And I know that sounds like an excuse, but you played three quarterbacks. You didn't give Ollie Gordon the ball. Like, you put your defense in terrible Why didn't you try that game plan again <laughs> on Saturday in the bounce house? Oh, yeah. Let's let's uh, yeah, let's yeah see how good let's, let's get you out of here. you got to gotta show us something on the shelf here for the, for okay. the charity. Right, let me uh, – I'm going to take the headphones off because I can't – I can't put it. That would be tragic if you dragged the laptop over to – Is he sitting on the ground? <laughs> <laughs> he did not uh... – Or is he really tall? I don't know. I've never met hard him. to bring down the giant ones. We have oh, Yoda. that's we have baby Yoda. Yeah, uh, nice. There is a full Sesame Street set. There is the Hundred Acre Wood Winnie the Pooh tree. Uh, we have an Encanto set because we love Encanto, and there's a, a set from uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, we've got a we've got a Star Wars set to build next. My uh, I've been building with the uh, the oldest girl since she turned two. And so we usually go get some of the, the bigger sets that I think that they will enjoy, like Sesame Street and, and Winnie the Pooh. And, uh, and we build them together and put them up on the shelves. So this is one of our this is one of our things that we like to do. What are the ages uh, of the kids? Uh, four, three, and one. Ooh. Four, three, and one. Busy man. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And a full-time job and a wife and a podcast and a podcast network and so on. And 15 minutes with the sons of UCF. Is that That's all? tremendous. <laughs> that, that is tremendous. <laughs> Philip. Thank you for uh, having Sons of UCF as part of the 1012 Network and all the great shows and all the work that you do to uh, to get the word out about the Big 12 and its programs. Hey, thanks for being part of the network. I'm not kidding. Uh, you were the guys I wanted, and when you said yes, it was a dream scenario, and I, I, I hope you never leave and no one ever comes up with a better offer. We're not open to offers. Just oh, wow. don't don't <laughs> play Ollie Gordon on Saturday and no, no, go yeah. with those three quarterbacks. and. <laughs> We'll, we'll be back.
I appreciate you saying we're not open to offers. I want to hear you say like, we are not going to, <laughs> not like we would never leave this school because I, I don't want coach speak. I want, I want honesty. I want Chris Kleiman, not Lance Leipold. We're committed. <laughs> uh, we're committed. <laughs> no portal for us. No Phil, portal. thanks a lot. No appreciate you. Thanks, Phil. Never know what we're going to have in anybody's back uh, <laughs> there, Adam. It is funny, though, to think that they lost as badly as they did to South Alabama. Three quarterbacks, not really running Ollie Gordon. That is a different team. Yeah. You cannot look at if that I, result. We were, we were September 16th. I wrote this down. 33-7, to 7, they lost to South Alabama. I think Mike and I got on the podcast the next week. We're like, that's a W. Like, we already put that in the win column. That was when we were doing, like, 9-3 and three for UCF. And we had that in the win column. And now here we are, their 15th rank coming to the bounce house with the scariest running back we've seen since Jamal Charles, maybe, come mm. to Orlando. So it's uh, my how things have turned. Time for some news and notes. Uh, it is time for some news and notes. I got I to gotta find that button, though, because you get mad. I got Phillips comment on the screen here. There's a lot going on here. Let's just filibuster <laughs> for a second here. There Stall. we go. My name is Jalen Sellers with, men's, with UCF men's basketball. I play shooting guard. And let's go around the kingdom. Well, that's a good selection by you. Timely, thank you. You're Jalen Sellers. You're Volleyball just got swept 3-0 to zero to number 12-ranked BYU. Knights now 17-8, and 8-6. Eight, eight and and wheels? Are the wheels coming off here, Trace? A little wobbly. <laughs> uh, they got another one Friday against uh, 12th-ranked BYU. Uh, looking like that's going to be a sellout at the venue. They're going to need every fan. Speaking of wobbly wheels, uh, now 12th-ranked men's soccer, you may remember, um, in a previous show or two, they were they were numero so, uno. Fun fact: behind the scenes, Trace, what I do each week for these graphics, I don't I don't rewrite them. I just update them. And literally, I went from one to twelve on the men's side. I don't think I've I've had that before. That was interesting. Yeah, uh, lose two one to South Carolina in the Sun Belt Tourney quarterfinals. Uh, NCA selection show on Monday. Uh, Going to be interesting to see where UCF is. I mean, they're getting to the NCA tournament, where they are and hosting and all that. We'll learn that on Monday. Uh, Sunbelt Awards uh, got a slew of them, which mean not a whole heck of a lot when you lose and you get knocked out at home. But Coach of the Year, Scott Calabrese. Freshman of the Year, Saku Heiskanen. Newcomer of the Year, Clarence Alador. And first team all-conference, Luca Dorado and Zane Bub. They have a talented team, maybe, and it's something I asked Coach Calabrese after the loss the other night. Maybe they turn the uh, lemons into lemonade and a little bit of rest uh, and they get their legs back under them and can make a, a run in the NCAA. Women's soccer not selected for the NCAA tournament. Their season is over 10-7-1, in the Big 12. Softball, boy, how about this schedule? Big 12 opener against Kansas. They've got four at home, five on the road conference series. They've got Texas and Oklahoma. You may have heard of Oklahoma in softball, three straight. Uh, titles. Hey, and you remember this? Maddie Bejerano. She was a, a standout NIL transaction for the Sons of UCF for a week until she entered the portal, went to BYU to be closer to family. But she was a big deal for us. ESPN mentioned her NIL deal with the Sons of UCF. Uh, we'll see if we can we connect with yeah. her when, when she's back to town. Uh, Knights, 24th ranked recruiting class, Cindy Ball Malone and staff doing a heck of a job. That goes on top of the 14th rated recruiting uh, or transfer class. So it's really building something and they're going to have some big challenges. You know who's the voice of UCF softball? Also part of Around the Kingdom. We've referenced him before, Eric Lopez. We mixed it up on a show you'll find right now on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. To your point, though, if UCF were to upset Oklahoma State, that would be more remembered than actually winning your first Big 12 game. I think UCF fans were looking to be a Big 12 legacy team. 
you know, you mentioned Houston. They beat West Virginia. That's a memorable finish with the Hail Mary. You beat them. You know, Cincinnati, it's like – Cincinnati's terrible. If Cincinnati was like the Luke Fickle Cincinnati team, maybe it's a little different. But, like, these were two teams that are looking for their first Big 12 win. So it does feel a little shallow. Like, yeah, I, I don't think this is, like, cause for celebration. Drop it in the comments now. Me with glasses or me with contacts? I looked a little sleepy there, Adam. It was a late night recording <laughs> around the kingdom. I can never tell when this is live and it's a recorded video. I always get confused. <laughs> well, we know what time it is, though. It's that time again. Time to open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. So Brian messages me and he says, are you going to the game Saturday? I'm thinking of coming up. Are you going? I, yeah, I'll be there. I didn't know that that was in question. I don't... I don't miss too many home games. I think the last home game I missed is when I had knee surgery. And even then I debated how I could hobble along to get there. So don't really miss a lot of home games. Uh, at Todd, a Brian, we're not, I'm not going to do this. Maybe you have uh, need the definitive list of yeah. space game uniforms ranked. Now, I did not rank them. I appreciate the space game, but I am not as gaga about it as some. I like the moon helmets. That's my favorite. And I'm not a big fan of uh, the uh, North Carolina look. Yeah, I didn't do the whole thing. 2018 is my favorite. <laughs> Any details? <laughs> I like it better than the others. <laughs> <laughs> At Manny and Morris, hypothetical. Oh, he's got a lot of them too. JRP wants to come back for 2024. Can he? Does he have that eligibility? Can he do that? What does Gus tell advise JRP? Gus, all in. All in on JRP. I don't know. I, I think maybe Gus thanks him for his service, pats him on the back, says once a night, always a night. You're you're a darn good football player and shows him the door. What does Terry say to Gus? Gus, if you bring back JRP, you're not going to be on my Christmas card list. That's what Terry Mahajer uh, says. Uh, well, I've heard they're best friends, right? Yes. Okay. What do the sons of UCF tell Gus <laughs> to tell JRP? Can you use this question? Can you ask Mike that when you record the show next week? <laughs> what what yeah. do the sons tell Gus uh, if he wants to bring back JRP? I'll have, to, I'll have to change the rating on the episode, but yes, I can ask Mike that question. <laughs> uh, at JP Gilbert, <laughs> always a pleasure on the, uh, <laughs> on the Twitter. Down five, you need a touchdown on a last drive or your life is over. Who are you picking, Plumley or Holman? I, put, seen, I, I answered him on Twitter. I wrote Calabrese, Rob Calabrese. <laughs> I've seen Holman throw a Hail, a Hail Mary pass to win us the game. I have never seen JRP do that. So I'm going to go Holman just based on previous <laughs> precedent. But I'm still going to pray heavily that something works out in my favor. Andy at UCFXOS, who's going to throw more passes Saturday, Holly Gordon or RJ Harvey? Neither. I hope Holly Gordon. Uh, neither. Well, so, probably a wide receiver for UCF. I mean, Trent Whittemore probably is going to be the answer. <laughs> Cap Vige one. How many dropped touchdown passes does UCF have against Oklahoma State? At least one. At least one. And then also, as asked- we don't shovel it to the other team, I'm fine with it. Drop it all you want. This is where I'm at with our receivers. Just drop it on the ground. Don't give it to the other team and like throw it to them and put it in their pocket and let them run down the field with it. Other question from Cap Vige one. What weird and obscure penalty does UCF get? dinged with this game seems there's always something there is what was the one last week over the neutral zone or what was that the center, yeah. yeah i said we get a, a uniform infraction violation i think that's coming up this week 
uh, at M underscore M and UCF. A little sarcasm here. Is CJ Walker a better run stopper than our linebackers, even with his current knee injury? Ooh, uh, Patrick, Nurse said it, Patrick Nurse said earlier in the comments, he did look like he bulked up a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's so maybe. At Golden Knight underscore the second, how many rushing yards would the Suns uh, crew get against the UCF defense? That's tough. That's it's cold. cold. Probably 212. <laughs> Not 255. I'm out of Nick, with this question from 1986. An Akron running back. Boy, that was something. 1986. Oh, geez. At Scott88513, do you think UCF makes a bowl game, Adam? Oklahoma State at Texas Tech. And Houston, Oof. you know where I stand. It. I don't think they get the I, win in Lubbock. I, I'm going to say uh, we're, we're well aware of your Lubbock uh, stance. I'm going to say yes, just because I want it to happen. I don't, I wouldn't put any amount of money that's meaningful to me on it, but because I want it to happen, I'll say yes. At Crash Cart 1, how does Tyler Hendricks live up to the hype of his brother? Um, he's got to become his own guy and show yeah. us what he can do um, and just be his own guy. Yeah, I don't think you need to live up to the hype of your brother. You're different players. You're, you have different skill sets. I think you need to be, be the best player out there. Yeah, he's going to get some looks, obviously, because of his last name. But I think you just play you play your game the way you played, and it'll take care of itself. Where T now? Who's the silent assassin or player to watch this season for men's basketball? All right, I'm going to try to pronounce this name. I, I, I wrote it down. I'm going to try to pronounce it. Ready? Mintotas Moskus. The, uh, the Lithuanian freshman wears number 10. I think Mintotas got a good looking jump shot he's, he's pretty tough, different lanky ways kid. i think you just said his first name uh, mintotas uh, uh good looking jump shot lanky kid i think he's got some he's got some length on the defense uh you played a lot of, of high level basketball in lithuania so i'm gonna go with mintotas you want to have some fun go to the roster at ucfnights.com and all the men's basketball players have pronunciation just click on the little ear symbol it's fun to listen yeah to them it's fun yeah say that my favorite is that they have the pronunciation of omar Payne, p-y-n-e and it just says Payne, p-i-n which i think oh, is oh, oh, the, click, the, click the little audio thing they say their own pronunciation i've heard it how do you yeah, think Min, mintotas is that how he said it is Minto- i haven't clicked on him yet mintotas uh, also where t now asking does rj get his 1k this week yes Yes. Needs 124. Feel good about it. Brian W. Peterson, what's the best part of visiting Nippert on my trip? That's what he's asking me. What's the uh, the win? Come on. The win. That quality Big 12-ish win. Um, worst part? Uh, I don't know. It's sort of a convoluted entry system uh, if you're part of the uh, media. It's uh, a whole lot of walking around. What do you want, like a red places. carpet? What do you, what do you mean? You just... Nah, just a little bit. Just a little bit simple. You want like... That. Like seltzer water on the way in, Trace? I mean, geez. uh, People asking me to rate the press box food during the game was interesting, too. Well, Uh, what's the rating? Five. Five out of ten. What's the number one so far that you've been to in the Big 12? Uh, Kansas State. Uh, What sells it is your soda fountain machine and your uh, cooler of ice creams. Okay. Various ice creams. Fair enough. Uh, At the Dr. Drew, to which away game in 2024 should UCFN's travel, and why is it Arizona State? I'm sorry, sir. It begins and ends with Des Moines. That's where you land, and then you go to Iowa State. I don't even know what you just said. (laughs) That's that's my Lubbock. That's my Lubbock in 2024 is going to be Des Moines. I mean, I know they're in Ames, but it's not All yours. All yours. You're going to run unopposed on that take. I will go to Arizona all day. Yeah, no, I... I've been to Arizona State. Obviously, there's plenty to do in Phoenix. At uh, MC Guck in EDU, y'all talked about flag football for the alums on the pod. 
this one played four on four flag intermural at UCF. Loved it. What would be your ultimate four on four matchup of former UCF players? Now, do you go big guys here? Or do you go you go speedy guys here? Like an Adrian Killens is who you go with here, right? You go speedy. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal Citronite Apparel. Um, give his four. I really like his four. He has quarterback rusher Jeff Godfrey. You're welcome, Mario. He has center linebacker Gabe Davis, and the receiver cornerbacks. He has Rennell Hall and Joe Burnett. It's a darn good squad like right that. there. Yeah, a good squad, right? yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. Th- I throw that one to Mike on Monday uh, when you record the show. I'd be interested. In- if only Mike just watched this show, <laughs> it would be even easier. <laughs> you would already. You know, yeah. he would already yeah. Is he I not mean, in the comments tonight? To be, no, I don't see him. I don't have to be the proxy. He could just listen to this himself, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, so if you made a decision, are you are you in the bounce house Saturday or, or you've got conflicts? As as for right now, I'm going to I'm going to I've been to the bounce house twice for Big 12 uh, home games. We are 0 and 2. Uh, and so I, I maybe I'm the jinx. I don't know. So I'm thinking about I saw Dolly's doing the same. Dolly's not going to be there. Dolly's not going to be there. Dolly's not going to be there. If you read his column on sunsucf.com, Trace, you would know that. I have uh, not and, yet read well, that. Well, I'll, I'll wait. Go ahead. I do enjoy reading this column. So, no, I I don't believe I'm going to be. uh, Yes, I am standing, Matt Dolan. I'm trying something different here tonight. Uh, It is exhausting. Very observant, Matt. Very observant. This is exhausting. Um, No, I I don't believe I'm going to be at the game. Well, again, you know how this goes. They they win, and you can't go anymore. (laughs) Luckily, it's just Houston, so I'm fine. (laughs) Who wants to watch that in person anyway? I uh, want to thank Nick Patty. We're glad to have Nick back, Mr. Optimism. Ben Hazel breaking down men's basketball and Philip from the 1012 Network for giving us the scoop on Oklahoma State. Now, we're up against men's basketball next week, but I'll be a part of this show. I got an early flight out to Lubbock on Friday, so I'm going to hand things over to Andrew. Are you checking sure. in your timeshare at Lubbock? I assume you have property there. No. No, no. Checking out your old college haunt when you were there. You're checking out the old dorm room and everything. I am a week away from Prairie Dog Town. That's <laughs> <laughs> what's going to happen there. And uh, see if I can hit a couple of breweries. So I want to thank you all for spending the last hour with Adam and I for Mr. Eaton. I'm Trace Trolko. Go Knights. Charge on. This is Colton Boomer, and thanks for watching Sons of UCF. Colton Boomer. Boom. What was that? Boom. Good. Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 